Hi, this is Danny Ryan, and welcome to the Three Will Podcast. Today, I've got our VP of Delivery with us, Bruce Harpel. Thanks for joining me, Bruce. Hey, good morning, Danny. Great. Um, I am excited about covering this subject because this is sort of where you and I interact together. Yep. Uh, where you interact with Tommy as well, and uh, and and um, that's around estimating projects. I know you know last couple of months, a lot of people have been trying to put together budgets for 2016 for the upcoming year, and for that they've asked us to do sometimes do some high level ROM type of budgets. You know what what should they put in their budget for the for the upcoming year to get some things done? So I wanted to talk through uh, with you. Um, some about our estimation process because I really think it's it's um, it's great what you you and the team do during this sales process and what we end up really handing off as our first deliverable uh, to a client. So get me started. When do you typically get pulled in for estimation? Let's let's sort of start at the beginning and and, and talk me through this. Yeah, I think uh, obviously we get involved in the sales cycle as you mentioned. Yeah, I think once a, a prospect has been you know qualified and, and they have a need and, and hopefully have budget, um, you know then uh, you know, you, you know uh, Tommy will will pull us in to start having those conversations with the customer where we can really try to understand you know the business problem they're trying to solve and, and understand the problem domain that they are uh, dealing with and are looking to get some help you know for us to solve so. You know that that's when we get kind of pulled in is once it's 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 a qualified lead and we know they have a, a definite problem and mm-hmm. and we know it's something we can solve. So there's obviously some problems that we can't solve. It's outside of our area of expertise and and those things we don't go after. Mm-hmm. And do you start building the the um, product backlog right away or what's the first meeting that we, what are you trying to do during that first meeting? Yeah, and just a. For the audience out there, I mean, we do follow an agile scrum process, mm-hmm. which means we do build out a, a product backlog. And, and a product backlog is just a, a statement. of it's, it's a grouping of user stories. And again, a user story is just the description of a user's interaction with a solution okay, uh, with an associated benefit. So, um, yeah, so early on, you know, we, we, we have conversations with the customers trying to understand, you know, their requirements uh, associated with the problem they're trying to solve. You know, some customers uh, do a great job and they'll hand you a, a requirements document and everything is right there. I mean, that does happen. But, uh, yeah, I'd say majority of the time, you know, they have a problem. Um, they know, you know, they may kind of know how they want to solve the problem. Uh-huh. But a lot of the times, you know, in, in the early stages of the sales cycle, we're just trying to talk them through the problem and talk them through the different ways we might be able to solve that problem. So we're really trying to draw those requirements out, yeah. you know, from the customer. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we, we take those conversations, uh, or if they're giving us, you know, some some documentation that they've already developed, and we do build out that product backlog. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, it's tough in this sales cycle uh, because you may not uh, have all the detailed requirements. So yeah. some requirements that we get are, are going to be what I call high level requirements. Yeah, and and that's fine. And a lot of times. You know, when we take that requirement and size it, it's got a larger, you know, number and estimate associated with it. But what we typically do in our estimations is we estimate, you know, different research spikes or proof of concepts that we might need to develop, you know, kind of in the very first sprint of a project to really kind of vet out those requirements in a little bit more detail. So, you know, coming out of the sales cycle, we'll kind of identify, 
you know, what are the areas of either, you know, technology risk or uncertainty? Mm -hmm. uh, if there's some kind of new technology that we're having to, to deal with or, or manage, or you know, if there's some business uncertainty where requirements weren't well-defined. So we really try to account for that and we call that out, you know, so the customer understands, you know, here's the areas of risk and uncertainty yeah. and here's how we've accounted for that. So there's, there's user stories that we build that aren't necessarily functional in nature, but they're designed to help the customer you know, and us together further vet out those requirements. And really just trying to probably just address risk very early on. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we're big believers in you know, kind of calling out where there is risk. And, and again, to me, risk is where there's uncertainty yeah. at some level, whether it's uncertainty from a business perspective, whether it's uncertainty from a um, technical perspective or a process perspective, and really just how do we mitigate those risks and uncertainties. And typically there is some level of research or a small proof of concept that you can develop yeah. to, you know, for the customer to say, we think this will solve that particular requirement. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. you know, can you look at this and tell us yes, no, maybe? And so we do those early on in what we call a sprint zero. Okay. So for us, a sprint zero is a way that we kind of vet out all the uncertainty that might come out of the sales cycle because we just don't have the time you know, to vet out all the detailed requirements during a sales the sales process. But you'll still have all of the requirements that will go into later sprints and you can still try to size those, although they may be impacted by sprint zero. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, so every requirement you know, does have a, an associated user story or, or group of user stories that we include in the product backlog. And, and we do size all those. Okay. Um, and the ones, and, and we use uh, a concept called story points. And a story point is just a, a numeric number. We use the Fibonacci you know, numbering system. And it's just a, a story point is just the relative complexity to implement a, a story. So you know, if I had a user story that just required me to add a field to an existing you know, page on a website, that would be pretty easy. It might be a one. Mm -hmm. yeah, but if I had a, a user story where I was having to add some kind of approval workflow you know, associated with a page on a website, you know, that's a lot more complex than just adding a field to a page. That might be a five because it's five times more complex okay. to implement uh, than a one. So we do size everything. And when we start getting up, you know, to, to stories that are sized at like an eight or a 13 or a 20, you know, those are pretty large numbers for us. We'll typically have a, a research spike or a proof of concept in sprint zero to say, you know, this is size pretty big because yeah. there's some unknowns and we're going to do this POC in Sprint Zero to help take take that eight, 13, or 20 sized item and break it down into something that's much smaller and manageable. So we do, we size every user story and that becomes our baseline. Yeah. You know, that's really the scope of what we're going to go after, you know, with that customer for the project that they uh, are looking to engage us to, to deliver. And I guess after Sprint Zero, you can, you can start to get a velocity so you know how many story points were basically done during that sprint zero and start to sort of project that, know, know a little bit more about how quickly the team, because it depends on the project, how many you know, story points people are able to take off or to go after. But um, I just like it how it, it, very early on we can start to say, you know, can we make this? Can we get there you know, based upon the velocity that we're at in, in fairly early on in the project, very early on in the project? Yeah, so actually in that sprint zero, it, it does let us kind of validate the backlog we've developed, you know, in the sales cycle. And we make adjustments and we're very transparent with the customer, you know, that, 
you know, we have these stories that are fairly big and we've got to get those refined and that's part of what we'll do in Sprint Zero. And, and you know, that's when we also coming out of Sprint Zero, we actually take that backlog and we kind of take that backlog and uh, capture everything and, and move everything into sprints, you know, which is kind of our delivery cycle, right? Okay. That's that iterative, you're delivering new features every sprint to the customer. So that's when we kind of come out with, you know, this is going to be a six sprint project. Mm -hmm. Here's what we currently have planned for every sprint. Mm -hmm. So now the customer gets that roadmap, right? It's that kind of product release plan of what's going to come out of each sprint. So um, it, it's a great way of setting expectations with the customer, and they're helping us make all those decisions. You know, they help us prioritize all those user stories and, uh, and make the decisions about where they want to invest, you know, their hours and their dollars. So by kind of breaking it down to that level, it also, in, in the sales cycle, all those user stories are grouped into feature groups. Okay. And, and when we present the effort, you know, to solve their problem, right, to develop the solution, uh, you know, the story points are, you know, transcribed into hours and dollars, obviously. <laughs> it's going to cost me how much for this feature group? <laughs> exactly. But what we do is they almost get a, a menu of feature uh -huh. groups. So we actually break the hours and dollars out by feature groups so a customer can look at it. I love that. And say, you know what, this set of features right here isn't critical to me in a, a V1 or phase one. Let's, you know, say that's out of scope for my initial product release and you know, that way what remains fits within my budget. So it lets them have kind of that shopping cart kind of I love the you know, way I, to, I, to look at. I think that's so great just to be able to, because we want the um, customer to be in control. And so having that sharp shopping cart mentality very early on, even during the estimate and being able to pull things in and out. And sometimes even, you know, they may have a budget already set and they're trying to figure out what the, what can they do within that set budget, or sometimes there's a timeline that they want to try to hit. Um, so I think it's great you guys give, you know, give it basically give them enough information to go make some very key decisions. The other thing that you guys do very well is um, you come up with a list of assumptions, mm -hmm. and I think that's very important to to go through that again. I think it has a lot to do with risk as well. But saying, what are we assuming going into this estimate? Tell me a little bit more about assumptions. Yeah, and that's a great point. Actually, I'll talk about assumptions. And the other thing is what we call acceptance criteria. Okay. Okay. Great. So you know, as we as we build out that product backlog, you know, we 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 list all the user stories, which are you know some are technical user stories if it's if it's those research spikes or, or proof of concepts and sprint zero, but most are. You know, business focused. It's you know a customer interaction with mm -hmm. the solution. So you know, as we as we think about how we want to implement, so so to, to size that, we have to think about how we're going to implement it. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, what technology we're we going to use? How are we going to implement it? And, and sometimes there's more than one way to implement something. But we will call out in the assumptions for each user story, you know, our assumptions in, in how we size that. Or if there's dependencies on the customer side, we call those out. So we're really trying to be real clear about, you know, this sizing was based on these assumptions, mm -hmm. whether it's assumptions we're making about how we're going to implement it, or it's assumptions about what the customer might give us, you know, and provide for us as an input, you know, into um, you know, implementing that particular user story. And then the other thing we, we do is for every user story, we have acceptance criteria, which at the end of the day is, you know, what we use to sit down with the customer to say, you know, do you accept <laughs> this user story, right? Uh -huh. And, and it's great, and, you and know, that, we we and take it's part of the s that you actually you do that as part of the estimation. We, we try to do that as part of the estimation, okay. absolutely. And we don't get 
perfect every single time, but we really drive to get that acceptance criteria awesome. uh, in there to start with because uh, it sets expectations. And, and that does get refined. So in that sprint zero we talked about, mm-hmm. where we kind of uh, you know, vet out any kind of risks and uncertainties, yeah, we also go through the acceptance criteria with the customer in more detail and we'll revise it. But that acceptance criteria is what really drives our QA process, but it's also what drives the customer's you know, user acceptance testing process as well. And at the end of the day, it's what we use to say, did we meet that criteria, yes or no? And it's that setting that clear expectations on, on what is it, you know, what are they really looking for? And by defining success at that point in time, it keeps everybody on the same page. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the comments we get all the time when we're going through the sales cycle and we build up this backlog is, uh, you know, customers are amazed at how much detail we can garner from the conversations we have with them. Um <laughs> And when they see that the product backlog played back to them as these user stories, you know, they're, they look at us and they go like, you guys get my problem. Mm-hmm. You guys understand, you know, my pain. You understand what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, you guys, you know, have a plan here that I can clearly see you know, how you're going to get from where I am today to where I need to be. And, you know, it's like this roadmap. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's like their eyes just open up wide and they're like, this is great. You guys truly understand and get what I'm trying to accomplish. It's it's so tough in this conversation to stay out of all the details of Scrum, but right. I'm going to try to six. So, looking at the um, the spreadsheet that we deliver, we've been focusing on, on a lot of the the product backlog and all the details with that. We've talked a little bit about assumptions. Now we get to the you know the, the fun part where the actual estimation and uh, talk to me about. I know that some of the factors that that go into this, and then talk to me about how do you come to a number? How do you how do you say this is what you should budget for this project? Yeah, great question, Danny. Yeah, so you know when we actually size you know, all those user stories, you know we're really focused purely on you know kind of analysis, design, development time, okay. right? So what's it going to take to you know vet out the requirements, do a design, code a solution, you know, and and test it at a, at a you know, developer level. So, yeah, we do have to take other factors into account, right? So we provide QA, you know, as part of our um, delivery. So we, we, we have a QA factor that we apply, mm-hmm. you know, that, that applies to the whole backlog. Um, and we have issue resolution time. We have scrum master time. Okay. We have, you know, performance testing time. If performance testing is key, you know, documentation, training, so uh, architect time. So there's a set of other factors that kind of span the whole project, mm-hmm. right? They're not specific to a single user story. And so those factors then are kind of multipliers. Okay. We use percentages. Okay. Um, and, and they're kind of multipliers that multiply on top of the story points to kind of get to a, here's the overall set of hours it's going to take to implement you know, this solution. And then we actually, as we translate these story points into hours mm-hmm. and then dollars, we actually um, we actually do what we call a a a, a uh, unlikely low kind of estimate. Okay. We do an unlikely high estimate, and, and then we do kind of a, a expected case, which is typically somewhere in the middle. And, and we've got some formulas that we apply. They're not formulas that we invented. We've we've got them from uh, Steve McConnell uh, and his book on Agile Scrum. So. Yeah, we, we try to give the customer indication of, you know, if everything goes well, 
Mm-hmm. You know, none of the risks we've highlighted turn into issues. Yeah. You know, we might hit this low estimate. You know, worst case, you know, something bad happens. We uncover <laughs> new requirements. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, uh, we might be as high as this high, unlikely high. But typically, you know, we tell customers is budget the expected case. Mm-hmm. And, and we've, you know, we've been incredibly successful at, at coming, you know, in at or under that expected case kind of number. You're a little too good at that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think internally we 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 planned uh, to be underneath what what actually the the final budget number is, and that's typically because where a lot of the projects we're doing are time and materials not to exceed types of projects. That's right. And the the customer has so much, uh, you know, over time we're not going to get too much into Scrum, but over time they can set priority, cut things out. Uh, you know, sort of push and pull from things, and they know the budget, how the budget's being spent. So it really gives them a lot of control, so that once that budget's set, they don't need to go back and ask for more from the well, um, unless something big comes up, unless we we do hit something that that is uh, uh, either an assumption or or something that we were planning on being there. Or I think in a lot of cases we we've got great clients, but we depend on our clients to get certain things done, and if they don't get done within a period of time, it impacts the cost of the project. So it really is we work collaboratively with with clients so we have to you know it's great you guys spell out those dependencies as well that's that's a lot of value yeah we're big believers in you know, kind of every sprint you know we have a sprint review and then uh-huh. we do sprint planning and as part of that sprint planning you know we, we learn new things we uncover new requirements new user stories and we're big believers and you talked about it earlier Danny you know we feel like our job is to give the customer you know the data points and the information that they can make the right investment decision for them in their business, mm-hmm. right? So every user story has a cost associated with it to implement that story. So as we uncover new stories, which we will, mm-hmm. you know, we present that to the customer and so we uncovered these new requirements, which translates into these stories, and these stories have you know, a size associated with them. And then we have those discussions with the customer around, you know, are these newer requirements, new user stories, are they more important than what we you know, originally uncovered in the sales cycle and documented. And, you know, this is the cost, right, to implement these new stories. So you can swap stories out, right? So you can take in these new stories that we've identified and and then say other stories that we originally identified are lower priority, or you can go get more budget, right? But we're trying to let the customer make those investment decisions. We feel like our job is to educate, Mm -hmm. right, provide the information that they can make those investment decisions because we're big believers in, you know, customers getting the, the most value they can out of those hours they're spending with us, yeah, right? So absolutely. So it's almost like it's almost like people are buying. I want a hundred story points, and I are that's 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 how many story points I have as they go after the project. They may pull things in and out, but in the end, they're 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 buying that sort of capacity for the team to go after these story points for a period of time and it, and, and it allows them to have a lot of flexibility, which I know when I'm having, I mean, I have some of my marketing stuff where I interact with people outside of three will, and I like having the flex, I like having lots of flexibility so I can change my mind, maybe going to switch stuff in and out. So I think it's great that you guys do that. We're, man, this is a degree. <laughs> I think you and I, one of the things I may have you and Tommy, it'd be good to do sort of like a round table discussion about Scrum. I think that's that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a really interesting thing it, for us to dive into. I think we're sort of playing around with it a little bit right now in this conversation. A couple more questions, and we'll we'll wrap this up. 
Um, how is this different? How's the estimation process different when you're doing maybe an app versus a migration versus sustainment or, or sort of our support offering? Um, how do you do, is, it, is there a different process that you use or it's all, you're all still using the spreadsheet or any differences that you might want to sort of pull out? Yeah, I think you know, essentially we're trying to follow the same process you uh-huh. know, consistently for all our engagements, no matter what it is. I think with, with migrations, you know, some of the things that we have to try to understand, you know, with migrations, it's not as much gathering business requirements, right, and trying to understand that as it is trying to understand a customer's current environment, you know, their current state environment, mm-hmm. you know, and how much content is out there, how many customizations do they have, you know, on their farm. So, you know, in the sales cycle there, you're trying to vet out as much as you can, you know, what the, the current state of their farm looks like. And also, you know, as you look to their future state, you know, is it just what we call a lift and shift? You know, mm-hmm. might have taken content from this farm that's, you know, 2013, and I'm going to, you know, move it up into Office 365 and SharePoint Online. Uh, or, you know, are they really trying to uh, change you know, that, that, that solution, you know, and a lot of customers are looking at, you know, how can we get more value out of our intranet? And they are kind of doing a redesign of the intranet. So mm-hmm. in some cases, you know, it's a combination of, you know, we're actually getting out new requirements because we're trying to design a new portal, right? And put a new information architecture in place, put a new taxonomy in place. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's not just a lift and shift. So then we're kind of mapping content from a current state environment to a future state that might not be exactly the same. But we try to follow the same process as much as we can. Nice, nice. And just to wrap up here, this whole the the from what I've seen with interacting with you and your team, the, this whole process from beginning to end is is typically, you know, on the short side maybe two weeks, on the long side a month, That's or right. even some sometimes you get it you get get these things back to me within a week or two, mm-hmm. um, which is just it's 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 fabulous to sort of go from not knowing how to make a decision. And having this pain or problem to here's what it's going to take to go do this. The other thing that um, just to point out to folks listening, this is part of our sales process. Which you, in the end of this, the, we show you the spreadsheet. We hope by that time you're seeing the value. You know what we're doing up front. Really, we sell like we deliver. Absolutely. And so people right away see. You know what? These guys are not going to waste my time. They're each meeting that we're going into. They're trying to understand what the end success is. Um, you know, they're, they're, it, it's really, I think even before the project starts, this is really what I see as our first deliverable to a customer. Mm-hmm. And um, it's great that we, we do all this stuff up front. We're not trying to ask for, oh, if you want to come talk to us in delivery, you're going to have to pay for this. We get things started now. Now it's my job to find out that there is a budget, and sometimes I do a better right. job than that than right. others. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, it really is. Uh, it's amazing what you and your team do when it when it comes to putting these estimations together. I appreciate it. I, I, it's just it's so helpful in the sales process to get to something that's you know real. This is what it's going to go take to solve this problem. So I appreciate you doing what you do every single week. Yeah, now our teams and you know, the guys that we get involved in the estimation process, they really enjoy it because, you know, at heart they're all problem solvers. Yeah. Right. And we enjoy going into you know, every customer environment is different. Mm-hmm. Every problem domain is different. So for us, from a creativity perspective, you know, and kind of thinking through a business problem and how can we help solve that problem, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's what gets these guys excited. Yeah. Right. They they love doing this kind of stuff. They love, 
you know, building up the backlogs and thinking about how can I implement, you know, these user stories in a way that is, you know, you know, cost effective for the customer. And the other thing we, we really look at too is making sure that our customers can sustain the solutions we build. So mm-hmm. the last thing we want to do is is build a solution that, you know, they're not going to be able to kind of take over and maintain and sustain on their own. So, you know, that's something that we keep in mind as we look at mm-hmm. you know, how do we take this backlog and craft a solution. So folks who are listening who may want to, who are looking to put together an estimate for an upcoming project, or maybe you're, you've still got some things you want to price out for 2016 or whenever you're listening to this podcast, uh, you can get in touch with us. It's threewill.com. Um, you, we have a, you know, a contact us page that you can go to, which would kick off this process. We also have a start an estimate and that page you can attach. If you do have some requirements put together, it'll give you a way of attaching some of those requirements, but don't feel like you have to have everything done up front. Um, part of uh, we part of working with us is is us having some of those initial uh, meetings to put together those requirements. So don't feel like you have to have all your ducks in a row before you start the conversations with us. So uh, th- Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Today. Yeah, enjoyed it as always. All right, and th- thanks everybody for uh, listening. I hope this was really helpful, and uh, have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye bye.